0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome everybody. I am excited. I'm being joined today by Stephen Richards. Stephen Richards is the CEO and president of Better Body Foods, a natural and organic uh, foods company that he co-founded in 2007. Steven Richards, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much, pleasure to be here. All right, so I gotta ask you, okay, uh, 2007, what was happening that made you wanna get into this
1: very competitive, crazy business? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm, uh, historically, I I come from a family of diabetes, uh, and, and it's on both sides of my family. Um, and so, and, and my mother had it, my grandparents had it. So growing up, you know, food and eating healthier and avoiding sugar and, um, you know, was, was one of the things that I just grew up with naturally. So we've always had a natural interest in food. And uh, it, it, really I heard about Agave Nectar at some point. I mean, I, I was involved with a, uh, a small little investment group and we were involved in a number of different companies. And I heard about Agave Nectar And, uh, you know, I thought I could change the world with the stuff. It was a low glycemic sweetener. I didn't know anything about the grocery industry, what it took to get into it, what it took to get distribution or anything of that nature. And, uh, but, you know, just really, really felt like I could make an impact and uh, jumped into the business. And, you know, I I joke with people now, had I known what I know now, I would have never invested in myself. It it is, as you mentioned, a highly competitive, uh, difficult uh, industry that takes time, effort, energy. And, you know, a lot of uh, the distribution, you know, frankly, doesn't make a lot of sense in, in, in how uh, people do business in this business and the consumer products business. And um, and so, uh, nevertheless, I, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I've been in, into it now, you know, 13 years. It's 2020, a little over 13 years. And what I enjoy about it is I am shocked amazed surprised uh really almost every single day at something there's something new that comes up and 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 just you know it makes you shake your head uh sometimes in a good way sometimes in a bad way but nevertheless it is it it's it's a learning it's a learning every single day there's just no question about it yeah
0: yeah all right so so let me ask you this uh tell tell us a little bit about the Weirdness of the distribution in the food business because a lot of people don't don't realize how incredible uh, what do you call it uh, you know what do you call it what I'm looking for how incredibly hard it is to get space and keep space talk a little bit about yeah
1: that. so 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 there there are different channels and and um, now you know since I started the business the internet channel has become fairly significant it really didn't exist just 13 years ago frankly uh, when I started the business for the food industry in any event. Um, and then you have the club channel, which is Sam's club, uh, Costco, BJ's really are the only three. And then you have the traditional grocery channel and there are several channels of distribution within that. Some grocers take it direct. Others go through distributors sometimes depending on the product. They may take it through both systems. Um, and 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 then you know you have C stores, convenience stores, which we aren't really in that channel. And then you have pharmacy, which is you know Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS, and and their distribution systems are a little bit different. So um, you know when when you meet with a buyer, um, you know if you meet with a buyer directly at one of the grocery stores, uh, oftentimes you'll be having conversations and they will be discussing pricing, and then you know subsequent to that meeting you'll learn what the distribution channel is and and the different distribution channel have different costs which of course you as a supplier are expected to absorb so um you know those are things you learn early on and and have to get your hands around um because at the end of the day um we are about creating value we manufacture everything we make so that we can get it to market at a good price and and then hopefully it doesn't get consumed, what I'll call, you know, that, that value pricing doesn't get just consumed in the distribution channel. So as a result, we do very well with companies that we do business with directly and, uh, you know, uh, and ship directly to that don't have what I call a bunch of intermediaries. And, and those would be, you know, Winco would be a great example. HEB out of Texas would be a great example. Walmart would be a great example. Um, uh, you know, obviously the clubs, uh, uh, Costco, Sam, BJ's. Um, would also be great examples of where they really do take product directly and cut out the intermediaries. And uh, this business and, and getting good pricing really is about logistics. Um, and, and people didn't realize, I remember reading about Sam Walton in the 80s when, when Walmart was, you know, um, all the rage and growing dramatically. And and I remember reading an article in the Wall Street Journal specifically and, and talking about um, how Sam had figured out logistics. And, of course, that didn't mean anything to me at the time. I was a young young business guy. And, uh, and and how they said Walmart's you know, more a logistics company than a retailer. Well, now I get it and understand the, the importance of it. So um, anyways, those are just some of the challenges that we have.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and it's so funny you brought up Walmart because I remember the same thing. Uh, I remember there was, I want to say a regular, at least several times a year, an article would come out about how Walmart logistics was so impressive that they uh that they were like the gold standard because they were able to move things around and and that's where they really invested a lot of their money and and sometimes it would save them uh you know three or four percent because of, of of their ability to move
1: things around Yeah. And, and they are very good at it. They're a very impressive organization. I, when I got into the business, you know, a lot of people said, Oh, you know, watch out for Walmart. Uh, to be honest with you, I find them fantastic to do business with. Um, they're very straightforward. They negotiate hard on pricing. Um, but you know, there aren't all what I'll call a bunch of hidden fees, uh, within their structure and, and they do what they say they're going to do. And, um, and, and my experience with them has been, you know, frankly, utterly fantastic and, and really enjoy doing business with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. So let me ask you this. Uh, right before the show, you and I were talking about COVID, how things yeah. have changed uh, dramatically uh, in COVID. In fact, you invested uh, a large amount of money in, in your Zoom conference rooms. So talk about how COVID has uh, affected uh, your company and the way you do business.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a great question. When COVID started, we actually didn't know how it was going to affect our business. I I don't think anybody realized the fact. I sort of planned for the worst and assumed uh, that there was going to be this, you know, uh, kind of a great depression, if you will, right? Everybody's going to be out of work. Everybody's going to be sick. And I was expecting, you know, commensurate decline in our business. Um, We've experienced quite the opposite uh, for a, a couple of reasons. One is, um, several years back, I, I did see the writing on the wall in terms of the internet became, becoming a significant distribution channel uh, for the food industry with amazon.com and then walmart.com joining in the picture. And and then, and then you know, Instacart and some others joining that are actually providing that uh, uh, service to, uh, you know, the other retailers like Albertsons and and Kroger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so we actually, about three or four years ago, began to invest in our internet folks and you know our internet group went from one person to two people now it's i think about 12 people that deal in kind of social media e-commerce area for us and uh, that investment really paid off because um, i think going into covid you had maybe three percent of all groceries were sold over the internet uh, through those various channels that i just discussed Uh, i actually do not know what the number is today um, but i would venture to say that that number is probably if it's if it hasn't doubled, it would certainly be in the five to six, you know, 5%, maybe even more of all groceries are now sold through the internet. And uh, let me tell you how I define internet. First, you have kind of the direct-to-consumer through Amazon, which Amazon would buy from us. They would warehouse it. They would deliver it, uh, just like any other client. Uh, the, the, the second is, you know, walmart.com, uh, where you can actually go buy it. They'll deliver it to your home, similar to Amazon. Uh, but then they also have the pickup, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the grocery pickup on site, which, and that business is really growing because again, uh, that last mile, I don't think really people have figured out uh, how to effectively deliver goods at a, you know, cost effectively at a decent price. But uh, certainly if you're just sort of collecting stuff within your store, and if you look at Walmart, they've got 4,200 stores or 4,200 warehouses, you know, around the country that are conveniently located. Um, To be able to go online, order your groceries and show up and pick it up, super convenient, reduces your interaction with folks. And if you're concerned about COVID, which everybody is, um, you know, your interactions are significantly less. You don't have to go in store. So um, I I think we see that business growing and continuing to grow significantly. So we continue to invest, um, you know, in that business. And uh, sorry, Bert, I'm running on here. But, you know, if you think about how people shop now, it used to be they would go into a grocery store, they'd walk up and down the aisles and products, and sort of perk their interest and and right. see something interesting and pull it off and you know look at it and read about it and whatever you know. Now people hear about stuff on the internet, it's like I want that, then they can immediately go um, you know to their favorite grocer and, and purchase that and either have it shipped to their home or, or or pick it up. So and and of course you're 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 able to provide a heck of a lot more information about your products pictures videos now demonstrating how to use the products etc uh you know online so it really is a fantastic medium particularly if you have products that require education and our most of our products do require some some level of education yeah so i'm glad you i'm glad you said that
0: because one of the things that uh that your that your company does uh is create this product called oatsome yeah and it's oat milk (laughs) correct this blows my mind because oat milk just kind of popped out of nowhere, right? So why don't you talk yeah. a little bit about Oatsum
1: and the rise of oat milk? Yeah. So uh, we do business internationally, um, and I've been doing business. You know, our, our, our major brand, we have three different brands. We have Oatsum is one of our brands, as you mentioned, which is oat milk. Uh, we have PB Fit, which is a peanut butter powder. And then we have Plant Junkie. Um, which is a line of uh, plant-based dressings and, and mayos. And of course we have Better Body Foods, which we sell a number of items under the Better Body Foods. So we actually have four brands that we operate. Um, and I got interested in oat milk about four or five years ago in Europe. Uh, I, t- I tasted it for the first time and I just, you know, I've tried alternative milks. So I didn't care for almond milk, didn't care for soy milk, uh, which were kind of the two, and rice milk. You know, I've sort of tried them all uh, as, as, uh, you know, as, as I think everybody's looking to increase the number of plant-based foods that they consume in their diet. Um, and, and I tried them and, and just wasn't impressed and was never into them. And then all of a sudden I tried oat milk, and it's like, wow, this is a fantastic product. So about four years ago, we really sort of uh, dove into it to try to figure out, you know, how to make it, what it would take to, you know, get into a facility to make it. Um, you know, and we, we, we started talking with several different folks about, um, you know, sourcing it and trying to figure out the best product. Um, what I love about oat milk is it's got a nice creamy texture to it. Uh, it's made from oats, uh, which everybody knows are uh, naturally healthy. Um, you know They've got a great fiber component into them that's heart-healthy. Um, oat milk has a great natural flavor. You don't have to add a bunch of stuff to it to make the flavor. So if you look at Oatsum's ingredients, very clean level, le- label. And then lastly, it behaves like milk. Um, it's, it's, uh, our, our regular Oatsum is about the equivalent of a 2% of low-fat milk. We do have a barista version which is equivalent of whole milk but if you were to you can pour that on your cereal and it doesn't get watered down or groggy uh, you know i've tried almond milk for example on my cereal and i felt like i was just pouring water on it there was no creamy texture to it um, oat milk does have a nice creamy texture to it um, and then you know if you put it in your coffee um, uh, you know it behaves like milk you can even froth it so if you go into coffee shops Uh, and you like a cappuccino or mocha, you can actually get an oat milk-based cappuccino or mocha that's got a nice froth on top of it uh, that is oat milk. So I don't know that any other oat milk out there um, or any alternative milk, I'll call the alternative milk market, behaves or tastes like oat milk. And at the end of the day, it really boils down to taste and texture, I think, when it comes to food. And so what you've got is a product with just a fantastic taste and texture. And, of course, following our, uh, you know, uh, being consistent Uh, You know, we want to have the highest quality, highest certified product on the market. So ours is certified gluten-free, certified organic, certified kosher, um, uh, and and certified, you know, non-GMO project. So we're we're really happy with the product and what it is. And and by the way, we we launched it, you know, roughly a year ago, and and we're off to a very, very good start. We're in a number of locations. By the end of the year, we'll be in about 7,000 locations. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And...
0: And so when, you know, when I, when I think of, of oats, obviously I'm thinking, you know, oatmeal primarily. And so to create a gallon, let's say, of oatsum, yeah. you know, how much oatmeal does it take to go from oatmeal, the
1: solid, yeah. you know, so, to so a gallon well, of milk? Yeah, so let me do the, uh, the math. It's two, about 2.2 pounds um, to create seven liters. Okay. Um, it's about, you know, three and a half, four liters per gallon. So, um, you know, if you take sort of four, uh, uh, so, so a gallon would be, I'm going to say roughly 1.8, to 1.8 pounds. So I know, I know people don't deal with metrics here in the U.S. So, uh, probably a pound and a half to two pounds, roughly between a pound and a half to two pounds to create a gallon of, uh, milk. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I love about these
0: alternative milk products is that it, it really helps with the environment. It relieves the stress, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that the cows put on the planet. That's you know the only thing I can the only way I know how to say it is you know to to, well, to keep a cow healthy and productive takes a lot of water. It takes a lot of land, uh, and and I think I think somebody. Uh, there was an article, in and in, I can't remember the person's name, but they said that it takes roughly, I think, uh, you know, to produce, uh, what do you call it, a pound of beef, uh, it's like, it takes like 10 gallons of water, and to produce a pound of, let's say, uh, uh, vegetables, it's like uh, a gallon of water. So, it's, you know, it's a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, look, I, I, you know, I, the dairy industry is an important industry here in the US and, uh, um, and, and always has been. And, and, and just let me, let me preface this by saying, I, I do feel for the plight of the dairy farm and the dairy industry at this point. There's a lot of family farms that are going out of business, uh, which, which is unfortunate, you never really like to see that. Um, uh, you know, but, but, but Americans' uh, dietary demands um the planet's demands given the population is now what 7 billion plus people um, is changing and if you do look at the requirement um, you know to grow the food to feed an animal i mean the animal really just becomes an intermediary if you will for human consumption of food so by definition it's a lot more uh, time effort and energy associated um, with creating food for the animals and a lot of that food could be directly for human consumption uh, you know, that, that's one thing. Second, you know, you talk about sustainability. Well, it's the same issue, but, um, it, oats are one of the most sustainable products out there. If you look at almonds, for example, it takes a gallon of water to grow one almond. So not all plants are sustainable products either. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and so it takes a significant amount of water to grow an almond. Um, whereas, you know, it's far less for oats. So they're one of the most, uh, third they're one of the least thirsty plants i think out there in terms of uh growth and 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 what what you get out of it um and 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 then that you know goes directly into human consumption right as opposed to being fed you know to something else so that's fed to something else that then you know gets into the (laughs) into our into our food chain sure well you know what
0: and and to address the 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 changing the changing landscape and and you know, nobody, especially entrepreneurs, we don't like to see anybody lose their business or their company or their livelihood. But unfortunately, right. that's just part of the of the what do you call it? The entrepreneurial cycle. I mean, you yeah. look at you look at um, Blockbuster. You know, they were the dominant uh, entertainment rental leader in that industry for oh, yeah. years and then yeah. you know, but they ref- you know they, they basically refused to adapt uh they had multiple chances to do a deal with netflix and uh they didn't think that netflix was a viable method until they started losing massive amount of market share and right. you know, bottom line is they're gone they disappeared and so yeah. i think you know i think that farmers um and I know I'm going to get some grief for this, but farmers sometimes throw a little pity party, like, Hey, I'm a farmer. Therefore you need to support what I do. Well, that's not the way it works in business. You have to support what the customers want. And if the customers want, you know, grass fed beef, well, that's what you have to do. If the the customers want, uh, you know, oat milk, well, you need to change what you're doing to, to take care of the customers, not the other way around. And so, you know, we, you know, uh, we love our farmers. Uh, our farmers, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, are ingrained in our history, but at the You're same right. time there, there's a lot of multi multi millionaire farmers out there that you know that uh, will still cry and have a pity party because that's how they get some subsidies and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. you know again, as an entrepreneur, nobody likes to see an industry die. nobody likes to see a, 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 a business go out of business, nobody wants to put you know, make a bunch of uh, families unemployed, but yeah. it's the market, it's the consumers who basically make that or break that. I mean, it's, you know, if if all of a sudden, um, you know, if the consumer stopped wanting oat, oat milk, I'm assuming you're going to stop making oat milk if you can't sell it.
1: Well, that, no, that, that's exactly right. And, and, and the reality is, look, um, I come from a family of farmers and ranchers. My uh, great grandfather was a sheep farmer, you know, on, on, and, 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 you know, my wife's side of the family, uh, uh, you know, her grandfather was a, a farmer as well. And, and in fact, my, uh, great grandparents were in the dairy industry, uh, you know, uh, to, to some extent, not usually there, you know, it, back then you sort of did sheep and beef and ranch and pig and kind of the whole gamut. Right. And, uh, you know, that goes back three generations now. And, and, um, and so, um, but, you know, farming is like any other business and uh, dietary changes have come and are coming and are going uh, to continue to come. And, and I think if you're in the farming business, you have to look at that and, and to say, how do I change, you know, to, to meet the changing needs of, of the consumers? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the consumer and about bringing products that the consumer wants and needs or is willing to purchase. And, and so everybody has to be smart and we just live in a world today where things are, the, the, the shifts that are, are happening so quickly that you always have to be looking out there and say, hey, what's the change? What's gonna happen? How do I position myself um, you know, take advantage of that change? Or how do I position myself to keep alive, right? right. Um, I, I know every day, we've got 150 employees here, Bert. And every day I wake up and say, how do I, how do I keep these people employed, right? right? How do I keep them gainfully employed and working? and growing the business. And, and that's, and I will say that literally every day, I, I, I think about that. And, um, you know, the decisions I make are, do impact those lives as well as other lives. And so, you know, I, I think everybody that's in business uh, needs to wake up every day and just say, hey, what's going on in the world and how does this impact my business and what should I be thinking about? And, um, and you have to place some bets and sometimes they're hard to place. And, and, and challenging, but you know, that's what we got to do. And, and particularly in this world. And just how, I mean, look at we're we're sitting here on a podcast. I mean, podcasts didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. Right. And, and a lot of people listen to podcasts now and, and that's where they get their news and information because, you know, unfortunately, you know, the news has just gone so political now. That um, you know, news ain't news anymore. And to get real information, you almost have to listen to folks such as yourself. So, boy, well, you know,
0: that's absolutely—that's you know,
1: absolutely true. And, and and you look at
0: uh, uh, again, that was dictated by the consumer. Yeah, you know, some you know, it's it's just not that the news is not important. But bottom line is, if I was Fox News or CBS or whatever, and and some of them, I think CBS has started doing this. I know uh, some of the other media companies you have to have a podcasting platform because not everybody wants to listen, as you mentioned, to politics or and, and, you know, they want to listen to something that's more personal to them. Maybe they want to learn about investing or fitness right. or you right.
1: know,
0: time management or whatever. And so only a podcast can do that and, and really focus in on, on that interest. So right. real quick, do you by chance have a, uh, a sample of Oatsum uh, that you can show us? Uh, the, what are we looking for when we go to yeah. the
1: yeah. uh Yeah, actually, uh, um, uh, hold, can you hold on one yeah. second? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'd love to get some samples of the product. Hey, Gasia, can you get uh, some samples of Oatsum? I'll get of friends and and you could, just some of our, you know, the various products that we offer, including Oatsum. So with Oatsum, by the way, we do have five products now that'll be in the marketplace by September. We have Oatsum Regular, which is a, you know, roughly the equivalent of a low fat milk. It's slightly less than 2%, but this is called low fat 2% milk. Um, We have a Barista version, which is 4% whole milk. Uh, So here's a sample of some of our products that I'll bring in. Um, uh, This is the Oatsum product right here. Uh, Comes in a one liter Um, by by the way, this is a shelf stable product. So it can be found on the shelf in what we call center store or in some cases, people are putting in the refrigerated set. I would like to address that issue for a minute. Um, In the United States, we're so accustomed to buying milk in the refrigerated set that we just think, um, you know, that's the only place we can buy it. If you go anywhere else in the world, um, milk is really sold in a shelf-stable format. So this can actually sit on the shelf for 12 months. Now, once it's open, you have to consume it within about 10 days. Um, For some reason, Americans perceive it, you know, shelf-stable product is not tasting good. Um, I'll tell you when it comes to oat milk, the process of manufacturing uh, oat milk, whether it's sold in the refrigerated set or on the center uh, center, uh, center store area, you know, with beverages, um, it's the same process. Uh, and, and and it tastes exactly the same. So, you know, if you're a consumer want to try oat milk, you know, you can order this on Walmart.com, Amazon.com. They can ship it to you. Um, It's found in the Center Store, you know, in Kroger and Walmart and, and Hannaford if you're in the Northeast and others. And it's on the shelf, but you can have a high degree of comfort. This product tastes absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I think it has a lot of benefit because you can buy it, take it home during pandemic times. I think you can keep it in, you know, your uh, um, your uh, just your regular shelf, right, in the cupboard, and then just pull it out as you need it. But so, that's, so th- that's our Oatsum, awesome, that- our 2% product. Hey, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So so
0: Oatsum right there in that container has a 12-month uh life cycle uh shelf shelf life thank you shelf life and, and then once you open it you, you need to consume it in about 10 to 12 days
1: correct it needs to be refrigerated and it's and, and but needs to be consumed within about 10 days once you open it gotcha um, yeah and and uh yeah i mean so that's the product And as you can see it's organic gluten-free uh non-gmo um and it's just got some you know beautiful packaging yeah, no, I love it. Uh, some of the, really some of the other product birth that we have is PB Fit, which is our primary brand and our largest brand that we're most well for now, peanut butter powder. Um, and again, the benefit of this product is 87% less fat. Uh, and it's basically, uh, you know, 60% protein product, roughly. So all you do is add water to it. It reconstitutes into peanut butter. It tastes just like peanut butter. Fantastic for smoothie shakes, for baking, making it into peanut butter or spread, using it as dressings. And so this product is doing very, very well and continues to grow for us just because there's so many natural sort of health benefits. Again, very clean label, only three, you know, three ingredients in it, and, uh, and, and got a great shelf life as well. So uh, we do that. Then we just recently launched a PD Fit Protein Spread, so it's just like peanut butter. It tastes just like peanut butter, but it's actually got 42% more protein than peanut butter and about 20% less fat than peanut butter. And it tastes every bit as good as peanut butter. So we're really excited about this product going to the shelf as well. I'll, I'll, send, so, you, I'll send you some samples Bertie. Yeah, that would be small. great. I, I, you know, so,
0: that'd be great. So, so back to the peanut butter spread there. The, what, what did you call it? The peanut butter protein? Uh,
1: PB Fit. Uh, P is for peanut, peanut and B is for butter. So PB Fit. Right. And a uh, it, It's a powder. And then what's and, the and,
0: other one? What's the smaller
1: one you showed me? So the smaller one is actually a spread. And uh, we can't call it peanut butter because it's not 100% peanut butter. Um, what we do is we, we take peanut butter and then we take the oil that we press out of this. So this is actually roasted peanuts that so we press the oil out of. Well, then we use the oil with this to mix it because we actually, uh, peanuts, when you press peanuts and press the oil out of them, you're left with a powder. And peanut is about 55% protein, the residual powder. Well, pea is about 80% protein. So what we do is blend pea protein. So it's 100% plant-based uh, protein supplement, I'm sorry, on this product. Um, we blend pea protein with it, and then we add back in the uh, the, the roasted peanut oil, so you get that peanut flavor with a, a significantly higher protein comment, uh, content and less fat. And and we do this in a regular and a chunky. They're and we also do an almond spread, uh, the same now that we just sort of launched. But all those are, I, I'm very excited about these products in particular, um, uh, as they hit the marketplace. Oh, I mean, well, I'm excited about oats. And I'm excited about these new spreads. That we, I get excited about all these products. I just love this business um but anyway uh we have some interesting things coming
0: out sure you know if you can't get excited about your product then nobody else can right
1: that 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 is that is for sure you got to be excited yourself or you know that enthusiasm actually i think you know comes through but it's got to be real right it yeah, just, it's got to be real amazing. hey we're, we're out
0: of time but if somebody wants to find out more about if they want to go to your website and get oatsum or try the pb fit what's the best website to go to
1: yeah, I would just go to www.betterbodyfoods.com. Uh, we also have uh, pbfit.com, and, and they'll sort of go back and forth. Or, you know, you can just go to uh, Amazon or Walmart.com and then just type in Oatsum or type in pbfit, and it'll, and it'll take you right there. Um, we don't direct ship off our website, but it will direct you. Um, uh, you know, it'll click you through to where you can buy it. So you can go to our website, which is Better Body Foods or Oatsum or pbfit. All of our brands actually have their own. Um, website as well but yeah i would love for you to come and if you you know have questions you can I, I think i provided you with information on on uh you know how people can reach out to us we'd be happy to get back with them and, and answer any questions great uh, anyway so this is this has been a blast I, I love learning about
0: what you're doing and uh and and, and certainly i'm excited to uh, try oatsum and and some of your other products as well and uh steven looking forward to have you back again
1: Great. Thanks, Bert. Anytime. I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to to working for it with you in the future. All righty. Thank you. Take care, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.